This episode is brought to you by Dentons Canada. From startups to industry icons, Dentons acts for a wide variety of companies in both the public and private realms. As the world's largest law firm, Dentons can provide its global reach to your business. Visit Dentons.com for more details. Welcome to The Frontier, a podcast series brought to you by Cap Intel, dedicated to bringing you the latest insights, innovations, and investment philosophies from the professionals who invest your money. Today on the podcast, we have Maria Smirnova, a portfolio manager with Sprott Asset Management. It is getting harder and harder to find deposits. We have seen a great drop off in discoveries in recent years, and that is due to exploration budgets falling off. But even when exploration budgets were much higher than they are now, we did not see the same amount of discoveries as, let's say, 20 years ago. Gold acts as a great diversifier to your vanilla equity and bond portfolio. So I believe we did a study over 40 years and by adding just 10% gold, you increase returns and you reduced your volatility. She has 17 years of experience in the financial services industry. Maria began a career at Excel Funds Management as an operations manager and subsequently worked in product development at Fidelity Investments. Maria has been part of the Sprott Precious Metals team since 2005 and has been a portfolio manager on the Sprott Silver Equities class since its inception in 2014. Thanks for coming on the show. What are precious metals? So when we talk about precious metals, we generally mean gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. And of course, at Sprott Asset Management, we have products that um, target all four of these metals. And when I talk about precious metals, I specifically mean gold and silver, as those are the mandates that really I manage. And what is a precious metals equity mutual fund? So a precious metals equity mutual fund is a mutual fund invested in equities of um, mining companies that explore for and then develop mines um, in, in gold or silver. Do those tend to cover both junior miners and the larger companies, or do you tend to stick? Because on a lot of other circumstances, let's say um, a Canadian equities fund, someone will pick mid cap or large cap, so smaller or larger businesses. Do the precious metal equities funds tend to cover both, or how, do, how are they structured? So generally speaking, our mandate is very open. We can invest anywhere in the world, and we can invest in companies big or small. Now, at Sprott, our expertise is really uncovering those future uh, future gems. So we do start, our, our universe starts with the very small companies. Uh, so these are generally explorers. Um, so we are looking for world-class discoveries. And to me, a world-class discovery generally means uh, 5 million ounces of gold or about 50 to 100 million ounces of silver. And then, of course, because we've been doing this for a number of years, we watch the companies develop and grow into uh, and really become bigger miners. So again, our universe slants towards small to mid-cap um, with the view that potentially, and we never invest for this reason, but potentially a larger company will come and, you know, take out our companies in our portfolio. Um, on occasion, we do go larger cap um, to provide us with beta or for some other reasons. But again, generally speaking, we target small to mid cap. When you're investing in a 
precious metals equity mutual fund are you really investing in the performance of the underlying commodity gold or silver in your case or are you investing in the management teams of the mining companies or is it more the specific assets or the specific discoveries in the ground as you point out there's a a lot of diversity in mining equities mining companies are very different from one another and it's it's really not like looking at um a consumer product or an industrial company right as we know there's so many factors that go into making a successful mine and really it starts with the deposit you know nobody can change geology so to us it always starts with what does the deposit potentially look like or does it look like what is the size of it what is the richness of it or grade of it what are the metallurgical characteristics of it and of course you know where is it located location is very very important in mining because of political reasons because of permitting risks as time has gone on we we are noticing more and more that uh, certain jurisdictions are becoming more challenging permitting is becoming more challenging in certain areas of the world so that really guides our investment strategy uh so that's very important but also over time we do track management teams management's can break or make companies really especially in mining and so we've developed relationships with a lot of the mining companies out there and we do track their performance over time so you know and you take all of that then you override that with the company's balance sheet with the company's financials and that's when we start deciding okay the deposit may look great but you know the company's not in great shape for other reasons or the opposite we can help a company by uh giving them some money if they have a good deposit so it's really company specific things that are driving our investment decision i used to cover some mining assets back in the day and i remember we found a really nice deposit or we were looking at a really nice deposit but it was in northern greenland and although it was a tremendously valuable deposit nearly impossible to actually mine because of the logistics around it so it's not just the deposit i think that's an interesting point and i'm glad you highlighted that for our listeners given that why would someone invest in a company that's focused on precious metals well uh, two basic reasons first you have to believe in precious metals as an investment alternative or investment vehicle and of course again it's brought we have a long history and tradition of believing in gold and silver you know in the last 5 years it's been more of a tough market for us but we're still believers that because of the macroeconomic conditions around the world that we're seeing gold and silver will do really really well over the longer term and that's the first reason so you have to be a believer in the metals and the second reason you would invest in a precious metals equity fund specifically is of course the equities offer both financial and kind of exploration and growth leverage to the underlying metal price let's say a 10 silver uh, a company is producing 1 ounce of silver and their costs are 9 so that means their margin is about 1 well if the price of silver goes up 10% to $11 the profit margin all of a sudden becomes $2 it doubles that's what i mean when i say financial leverage any incremental increase in the metal's price goes almost directly you know if you take into account taxes and royalties most of the time it goes directly to the bottom line and that's the excitement that the equities offer and then in terms of exploration of course we again look for companies that are exploring adding ounces finding ounces is becoming more and more challenging again but we are looking for those companies that can create value through the drill bit 
and we've been quite successful at it. And that's the other big, you know, of course, more ounces with time turns into production. And the more ounces you find, the bigger mind you can build over time. So that's the other aspect. And I'll give you an example. So for example, of the leverage that I mean when I say that. So last year, silver was up about 15%. So in 2016, silver price went up about 15%. Gold price went up about 8%. But the equity, silver equities went up 90%. And gold equities, I believe, went up over 50%. So again, that's the type of leverage that we see in the equities versus the underlying metal. Small increase in price can of the underlying commodity can have a really big impact on, on your the, portfolio. Absolutely. Interesting. At Sprott, you manage a number of precious metals funds. Specifically, I wanted to ask you about the Sprott Silver Equities Fund. Why did you choose to manage this fund? In other words, why silver? So we are strong believers in silver, and especially we believe that in a, a bull market, silver will outperform gold. Silver has been called many things in time, and you know. It's beta on gold, it's poor man's gold. So because silver is denominated lower, so you can buy an ounce of silver for about $16, $17 right now versus gold for almost $1,300, more people can get involved, more retail investors can get involved. So in time, again, when there's a bull market and investment demands picks up, it really fuels silver. And that's why we launched the fund to kind of capitalize on that. But also, we see a big scarcity value in silver companies. You know, it's very interesting. It is very difficult to find even a good exploration story in silver, and that's my job. That's what I do every day. And I've seen silver companies acquire gold deposits over time because they're struggling to find more silver. So that, to me, spells a shortage of supply going forward. And already we're seeing signs of plateauing uh, to even declining uh, mine production in silver which is very important because as we go forward, that shortage will manifest itself. On the flip side, demand has been strong to, uh, you know, stable to strong. And what we like about silver is that actually about half of the demand of silver goes into industrial applications. And there's so many exciting new uses there. It's used widely in electronics. It's used in the automotive industry. It's used in solar industry. It's antibacterial, which means it kills bacteria, so it's used in medicine. The list of industrial uses goes on and on. And if we think about all the global trends that are going on right now, you know, the need for cleaner air uh, leading to, you know, again, more solar panels all over the world being installed, that's been driving demand. Electrification, so electric vehicles. Electric vehicles will have probably double the amount, at least double the amount of silver because of all the additional electronics. Right, And if a car has, again, solar panels, that'll consume more silver. So we see a lot of very exciting uses of silver, and these are really driven by the big trends in the world right now. And then, again, the other half of the demand side is investment demand, and that is through coins, bars, and ETFs, exchange-traded funds. And over the last few years, investment demand, up until this year, in fact, has been very, very strong. This year, it has come off a bit. It's, it's like there's a pause. But again, if that investment demand comes back in any way, shape, or form, we can certainly see spikes in silver price. Uh, it's very easy to move the silver price. So I know we touch on it a bit, but what factors tend to drive the price of silver? 
the reason we're fans of silver, as I mentioned, are the long-term, medium to long-term silver demand supply. So the fundamental picture, really. And the fact that it is a very popular vehicle for investment. However, in the short term, unfortunately, speculators, particularly on the COMEX, so the future speculators, play a role. In other words, the paper market plays a big role in price setting in the short term. And we think that with time, the fundamentals will win over those short-term fluctuations. And again, we see it over and over again. You know, we saw it in the bull run. We saw it last year. Silver can go up very quickly. I think precious metals are tended known to be um, rather volatile markets, and, and that could be some of the reasons behind it. So in that context, why do you have a positive outlook on silver? Why continue to invest with it as a focus? We continue to invest in silver and gold because we're strong believers that um, going forward and because of various demographic reasons, um, global economies will not see the fast growth that we've seen in the past. We see economic growth slowing. Now, we talk about the U.S. economy being strong, uh, you know, and GDP growing well, but um, and the Fed, you know, the focus has been on the Fed raising interest rates, but we are actually strong believers that interest rates, and particularly real interest rates or interest rates adjusted for inflation, will be lower than in the past, and they will continue to be lower for longer than people even expect. So right now, we've had a couple of Fed hikes, and the market is kind of, you know, not paying attention to the precious metals. But when there's signs of disappointment in the economic picture, or maybe signs of disappointment with the Fed not raising rates, we can easily see a reversal in that trend. And also, you know, we talk about Trump um, implementing uh, stimulative fiscal policies, tax cuts. Uh, we believe that uh, that will not be revenue neutral. We believe that that will lead to budget deficits. And in times of budget deficits, gold and silver do well. You know, right now in the general market, the S&P 500 has been going up and up and up for at least seven years now. It's been a great bull run. And there's a lot of complacency in the general market right now. Uh, volatility has been low. And again, in those times, gold and silver become kind of forgotten. But if we do have volatility in the general market, then that will return due to even reversion to the mean. Gold and silver should do well. We covered off some of the primary opportunities and threats to silver equities in the near term, I think. What about in the longer run? Uh, outside of the, the immediate tax cuts, um, outside of the speculation, what in the long run do you think is going to be um, really positive for silver and gold? I'm uh, a true believer, and again, I've been doing this for over a decade now. Um, it is getting harder and harder to find deposits. We have seen a great drop-off in discoveries in recent years, and that is due to exploration budgets falling off. But even when exploration budgets were much higher than they are now, we did not see the same amount of discoveries as, let's say, 20 years ago. So discoveries have been dwindling. And in order to replace mine production, you need discoveries because that is your future pipeline. So to me, that scarcity factor, and again, particularly in silver, uh, will manifest itself over the long term. With regards to the lower number of discoveries out there, is it just that there's a lower number of um, economic discoveries where at the current price people can mine it, but if you are to stretch out to farther and farther reaches of the globe that have less infrastructure that you can't necessarily create a mine because it's in the middle 
of a jungle, let's say, and there's there's no major city nearby to supply it. So, do you see people stretching further away to find new silver mines and new silver discoveries, or is it just that overall in aggregate in the world, there's less silver discoveries than there used to be? I think it's both. We see this in gold more so than in silver. Yes, people are going, you know, in in the north of Canada, we have a couple of stories that are building mines. So that certainly is happening. But again, you have to have quite a rich deposit to justify building a mine in, in an environment like that. But it's also fewer discoveries, period, no matter where they are. And a lot of Recent developments in in uh, gold and silver mining have been reworks of old mines. So, you know, it used to be an open pit, for example, and that a different company will come along and they will go underground and try to continue, you know, chase the deposit to depth. That We see a lot of that. So people reusing old mines because now the, the price is higher than it was when they first exactly, started. Yeah. They had to shutter the mine because they couldn't make it an economically positive project for the business and now they're going back in and digging out a little bit more because the price justifies that. Mm -hmm. In that context, describe the ideal investor for a precious metals fund in your mind. So I really think precious metals have a place in anyone's portfolio. I always say that every investor should have about 5 to 10% of their portfolio allocated to precious metals in one shape, way, or form. Of course, I'm biased towards silver, and of course, my personal portfolio is way higher than 5 to 10%. But, you know, I would not recommend much more than that, unless you're a young person with a long-term time horizon with a view that you can withstand the volatility over the next few years. And over the long term, you know, if you see, if you think about the price of gold being $300 in 2000 or 19, you know, before that, now the price of gold is almost $1,300. But it wasn't a straight line. In other words, it rallied, it came back, it rallied again. So if you have that time horizon, you can withstand the volatility. It's certainly a place in your portfolio. So again, an important factor for the listeners in in investing in a fund like this is to also take into consideration your own personal timeline, your personal goals, uh, because in a more volatile market, um, the market timeline won't necessarily line up with your personal timeline. So it's nice to have it as a smaller portion, 5 to 10 percent is what you're saying. Maybe a bit more if you're younger, you can take that extra risk on because it can really do well. And in the long run, you, you have some really positive outlook on it. Yes. And I actually would add to that, that we have done studies and we have shown that gold acts as a great diversifier to you, your vanilla equity and bond portfolio. So I believe we did a study over 40 years. And by adding just 10% gold, you increase returns and you reduce your volatility. So again, I think gold and silver act as a great component in a portfolio. Gold, silver, precious metals, like they can sometimes, I know gold can sometimes be like the, the anti-greenback. So if you have the if you have the US dollar, which is like most people's reserve currency uh, going down, people will flood into gold. Um, like they did in, in 08, 09. That's why it was like 1500 bucks. Would it be fair to ask, you know, is it a good sort of contrarian to the standard? Like it can do well when equity markets are doing well, but it can also do well when equity markets are doing bad because people are trying to find new um, havens for their money and will put it into gold. And, mm -hmm. and silver, is that a fair thing to say? So if you looked back in 08, silver and gold did sell off 
quite drastically. So I looked back in 08 and uh, gold, for example, from begin beginning of October of 08 to mid-November lost 22%. But then, of course, it rallied 50% in, in 09, right? So it still can go down with the general markets. I think it just depends on the amount of volatility. So in in times of extreme financial stress, such as in a financial crisis, people don't care. People just, they just run. sell everything, right? In times when people are worried about the economy and there's volatility because of that, but not that extreme, not, you know, default and crisis and all that stuff, then gold and silver can do better and outperform the general markets. And that's what I'm saying. So right now we've had a lot of complacency in the general market, right? So people say, well, why do I need gold and silver when I can just invest in the S&P 500 and it'll go up and up and up and up? But that's not going to be always the case, right? So when we are worried about political risk, when Trump uh, was rattling with North Korea just very recently, gold did, did well through that period of time. With The Frontier, one of our goals is to educate our listeners on lessons learned by professionals who invest. I think a lot of people invest on the side or they have somebody else taking care of their investments, but you do it full time, probably more than full time. And so in that context, did you manage money through the financial crisis? And what are some of the lessons you learned going through that? So I did not manage money in the financial crisis of 08. But I was an analyst and I worked with Eric Sprott at that time. And my lesson in that, and it's very difficult to actually live up to the lesson, to be honest, but you have to try, is actually to buy low, right? And you have to buy in times when all you want to do is kind of crawl into a little corner and you don't want to do anything. You have to stare at the abyss and say, if I still believe in the story, then I have to buy it right here, right now because I see something that the market is missing. And I will give you an example. We recently had a company that is just starting production. Well, it just started production this year. And they reported their second quarter uh, results. And they said, you know, the mine's doing well, but we have a negative working capital that we're working through. So the market got very nervous because it is a new mine. And oftentimes when you have a new mine, your cash position gets dwindled. And so all the market saw was, well, they have a working capital deficit. They'll come to the market to raise money. And so the this, this shares sold off. What we saw, we, we called up the company um, and we talked to them. And they said, well, listen, the mine is actually doing quite well. The things we're seeing, they didn't give us obviously specifics, but the things we're seeing, they're on track and, and we'll turn it around. So we said, okay, well, that's, that's great. That's an opportunity you don't see very often. Because you know the mine's doing well, so eventually the working capital deficit will work itself out. And that's exactly what happened. We bought shares, and as they started press releasing good news, in time the share price recovered. And that's the type of thing that is very difficult to do because you know, you're know you nervous that the stock will continue going down. But that's exactly what you have to do. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about the Sprott Asset Management Silver Equities Fund, please visit Sprott.com under the Exchange Listed Product section. This episode is brought to you by Capintel, a fund analytics company helping investment professionals select the top performing funds for their clients. Industry experts nationwide trust Capintel to make better decisions faster. Find out why at capintel.ca.